0: Hi, this is Pat from the Bridges team. Do you ever eat or drink more calories than your body needs? Do you ever feel you ought to exercise but don't do it? Do you ever know the right thing to do but stop short? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you will know without a doubt that you are a citizen of the human race. We begin the new year looking into the next element in the Bridges DNA, renewal, with our eight-week series titled Life's Healing Choices. Listen in as Pastor Ron King shares from Jesus' words how we can begin to shake loose from our hurts, habits, and hang-ups to live in freedom.
1: Good morning, church family. Happy New Year to you. Hope your uh, holidays were filled with really rich times with uh, thanking the Lord for what he's doing with you and through you and, and family time. Uh, we had a rich time together. I'm not even going to ask you about your resolutions because uh, I've learned these lessons. Actually, the first service, Pastor Nate was talking about it, and the guy behind me is like, I'm not, I'm not making any resolutions this year. They, uh, they never work out for me. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, yeah I appreciate that. A couple years ago, I... I decided that I was going to run every day, and I got to uh, about May, and I discovered that my body is not as young as it once was, and <laughs> I started to, yeah, I pulled this muscle, and, and I thought the next day, oh, I was like, yeah, i would to power through it, you know, and I got worse and worse, and finally, I had to break this, you know, promised myself I was going to run every day, and I was feeling bad about myself, and I thought, why do I do these stupid resolutions? I'm hoping that this year you make no stupid resolutions. But only a good one, that you experienced the power of the Father who has loved you from the very beginning and who longs to make all things new in your life. That, that's his plan. It has been from the very start of his relationship with you, your relationship with him, from the very start of creation. And actually, it's his plan to the very end. Um, in the book of Revelation, it tells us that he is in the business our Lord God of making all things new. And that's what we're going to be talking about all year long about the power of God to reach inside of us as a church, to reach inside of you as an individual, and to make you new. He's in the process of that. Now, some of us, we do a really great job of running away from that or denying it or hiding it or whatever. But God's in this great business. Um, I've been looking forward actually to our time a lot, these moments, ever since the end of the first service, when I was talking with um, a young lady who just said, You know what? Last couple of years I've just been running hard away from God. And Jack, it's, like, it's just a long history of things that have gone wrong. I should have known never to do that, but I want to return to Him today, right now. And I thought, Oh man, see, that's the business that God's in. And I know that He is in this business inside of you right now if you'll listen to the word of God. So turn your Bible open to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look at a passage, uh, one of my favorite stories, probably many of our favorite stories that Jesus ever told, Luke chapter 15. It's a story of the prodigal son, and some of you have read this story, thought about this story probably hundreds of times those of you who have some mileage on your tires. And I would just encourage you, as we always approach God's word, to listen to it, seek God to speak to you in a fresh way this morning. Pay attention to what God's communicating in the story to you right now. So Luke chapter 15. And recall how the Lord is in the business of renewing you. And he said, that is, Jesus said, there was a man, this is verse 11, who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he, that is the dad, divided his property between them, the two sons. Now, many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and came to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him and the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven before you i am no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants bring quickly the best robe put it on him I put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. It's okay to dance, apparently, according to Scripture. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you and never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fat calf for him. You said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive He was lost and is found. Now, I want to ask you as we begin to think about this passage, what God is saying, to uh, turn to someone around you, maybe a, a family member, or perhaps you want to take a new year risk and turn to someone that you have yet to meet yet and just share one thing that struck you about this story. Okay, now this is church that we're doing this morning, which means you came not just for yourself, but to encourage other people around you. So, um, turn, encourage someone with one thing that this story spoke to you about. Would you take a moment to do that, please? Go ahead. Now, I know that for some of you, you hate it when I do that. You hate when I make you... um, turn around and talk to somebody because you're an introvert or that's your excuse anyway and you maybe just come and you want to slip in and have nobody notice you and okay i i appreciate that but we were designed by god himself to bring spiritual encouragement to one another and so that's why we do these things in church just want you to know And I hope that that just sparked the beginning of a discussion that before you run and jump in your car and go for lunch wherever you're going to go, you will stop for a moment and recognize that God has called you to encourage other brothers and sisters here in the church with a word of encouragement from Scripture. So pause to do that. And next week, we're going to be launching our life groups. And the importance of that is that you were designed by God to bring that kind of encouragement in community. And so those groups are designed so that you would be praying and encouraging one another and not to live alone. And there's a personal reason why I emphasize that this morning before we jump in the text. Um, So my wife and I had the privilege of going, being with family this last week and spent time with some friends. I've mentioned it before, who were struggling in their their marriage. And um, we spent some personal time with them. And what struck me walking away is, first, wow, how much I love my wife and how thankful I am for a wife who has a lot of forgiveness and grace to me. And, um, and the danger of holding on to things and not allowing God and others to speak truth into my life and to deal with the issues that I have, honestly. And some things have been obviously festering as they do in every broken relationship. And if those things are not addressed, then it will eat people up and bring wreckage. There are, the reason why I, I, I mention this is there are things that you brought into this building that are, they're working death in your life. Wreckage and Destruction. And it's so easy for us to deny that, to make excuses for it, to hide it from others. That is not the plan of God for you. The plan of God for you is told in this wonderful story that is so loved the story of the prodigal. And the reason why it's so loved is because it's your story, it, it is your story. So, context. The story begins actually in verse 1 of Luke 15. Jesus says this, or the, the, um, Luke writes this. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. That is Jesus. People who were broken and recognized their brokenness, they sniffed something about Jesus that his words, his person, His actions were compelling and attractive, and they wanted to check it out. They wanted to hear what he had to say and to examine it. There are a lot of false images of God in our culture, a ton of them. Sue and I, when we were gone, went with some friends to the movies and saw Exodus. By the way, just a non-paid political, non-political ad. Don't watch that movie, it's really stupid. And it has a horrible image of who God is. It just wholly misses the whole picture of who the Lord God is. So don't even watch the movie. It's a waste of time and money. But <laughs> this particular story tells a very different picture of God Himself. And the story begins here with all these people who had sensed there's something different about the presence of God Himself, about Jesus, they wanted to get close to. Verse 2, And the Pharisees and the scribes, those people who knew the Old Testament and should have known the story of God and how he treats people, how he wants people to draw near to him, they grumbled when these other people drew near to Jesus. They were upset about it. They were like the second son. They had no joy when a person draws near to Jesus and just hear, if this happens to be you... I know you're going to resist it. We, we all act this way when we feel like we've got our spiritual act together. We are condescending toward others and that is sin itself, right? Because the Father treats people so differently than we do. So they grumbled and saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Can you imagine that? What if the father did not receive sinners. You wouldn't be here. I I wouldn't be here. If, If God himself did not receive people who were broken and wrecked and divided from him, that treated God as if he didn't matter, that had other priorities that were in their selfishness at war with God, if he did not receive those people That would mean every one of us would not be received. Every one of us. So in the context of that, as Luke tells the story, verse 3 happens. So he told this parable. Jesus enters into a conversation, and this conversation is about Jesus bringing lost people home. He tells three stories, actually, in the conversation. One about sheep, one about a lost coin, and one about a lost son. And they're all about the same thing at its heart. It's about the heart of God. Not about people or sheep or coins. I mean, that, he uses the story, and Jesus is a master storyteller. He uses the story to help us see the heart of God. How he treats us and how he longs for us right now, for you, for me, to address the broken part of our life and to return to him. And to come home. That's where we were designed to live. In intimacy with God. And health and rightness. Clean before him. But that's not where we are. There are places in our life. That are the pigsty. So. Jesus tells these stories. And before I jump into the, the story of the prodigal. Let me ask. Who takes the initiative in these stories. To go and seek the lost. And so who should get credit? Right? It's, it's the Lord God. I don't take credit when I return to the Lord or if I'm walking with him. I don't look down my nose like the scribes and the Pharisees were doing as if this was my doing. It's all God's doing and he gets all the credit when I walk with him. It's all his glory and his work. And so I praise him. This year, as we talk about renewal, That activity of God that changes those dead places in my life and brings them to a place of restoration and wholeness, it is the Lord God that gets credit for it. All the way. Not not me. Now there are things I do to respond to the initiative of God that I must do in order to find the health and wholeness that he wants for me. Picture in your mind, um, being blindfold and you're at the edge of the Grand Canyon and you're walking toward the edge and you've been walking this way for a season of your life and all of a sudden the blindfold comes off and you have a choice. Your choice is to keep walking the same way and go right off the edge or to stop And see it, have a little fear in your heart because you're about to go over the edge and turn around and go the opposite direction. That's what the Bible calls repentance. What the Bible calls stupidity is going over the edge, right? That's selfishness. That's in my own pride going that same direction away from God. Now, the great news is when I go over that edge, God has long arms and can grab me. When I turn and say, oh, Lord, what have I done? And so the story of this prodigal, repentance, see, it's God's work. He gets all the credit, but I make these deadly mistakes in my life. The prodigal son, the one who uh, thought he knew it, was living with pride. Actually, both sons in the story have a bunch of pride in their life. One is, um, the first one, gets all the stuff he had in his inheritance ahead of time, goes running off his own direction because he doesn't want to listen to his parents. I know that's a very unfamiliar story for those of you who are parents and grandparents, but thinks he has all the answers in life and goes running off in one direction, and he just lives a reckless, disobedient, away-from-God life. Then a famine hits the land, and he's got nothing left, and he starts to hit rock bottom. Now, those of you who have suffered through addiction, whether your own addiction or the addiction of a loved one, know that often it takes that place in life for change to happen. It shouldn't. We should be intelligent enough and sensitive enough to the movement of God to not to get to that place. But often that's not the case. And this young man gets to a place of, you know, abject, destitute, living. He is living with the pigs and trying to scrounge off the leftovers that the pigs have. And if you've ever been on a farm, you know that's not a good place. That's a horrible place actually. It stinks. It's filled with all kinds of bad smells. And that's where he is at. He's at a wreckage place in his life. And he finally comes to his senses, doesn't he? The text tells us. He, he understands that he's in a bad place when he came to himself, verse 17. And he says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I'm perishing here with hunger. Actually, in this story, it's a story that's written to people on both ends of the spectrum. One in the place who are holding on to the rebellion and walking away and the other who are holding on to the rebellion and think they're actually near to the father and they've got everything figured out but in their own pride they're separated too it's the older son story so this young man he's at this place of brokenness but this story is not really as i said a story about in its heart about the son it's about the lord god it's about maybe a very different image of God than you've ever heard. But at its heart, it's helping us understand the reach of mercy and compassion of your heavenly Father who made you and has loved you. And that love takes action when I get lost. There was a young man who was having a conversation with his son. And in the conversation, he says, Son, I just want you to know that I'll always be here for you. always love you. Maybe you've had that kind of conversation with your son or grandchildren. I'll always be here for you. I'll always seek you out. I'll always love you. And um, a couple days later, there was a great earthquake. The son was at school. His dad was separated. He was at work. And um, so the dad's frantically looking around for his son. He goes to school, and the school is just devastated. It was wiped out. And um, the son is, you know, the, the dad is just, he's just shocked, he's brokenhearted, and he starts to try to find his son in the rubble of this school. This is a true story, actually. He's digging out, trying to dig out his, his son, find him, and the emergency personnel come, and they're all trying to, to dig out this place. And finally, after several hours of this, they just, they give up. They're like, there's no way anyone could be alive. The dad is persistent. Uh, This son means everything to him and keeps on digging, keeps on scrambling, and he does it as people start coming to him and say, okay, that's enough. You know, you just have to face it. Your son has been killed. It's horrible. It's tragic, we understand. Emergency personnel try to move him aside, and he will not leave, and he keeps scrambling through the night, and into the next day, he keeps digging, and family members start try to come and drag him off, and the dad has not given up. He just keeps on calling his son's name, keeps on digging through the rubble, Hands are bleeding, and he's just keeping at it. And then he hears his son's voice. This weak little voice, he hears him. And he, he starts screaming and yelling for other people to help him out, and they start digging out. And they find this little boy and 12 of his classmates that are in this little tiny place. All the rubble has fallen around them and protected them, and they were there. And his son said, I never lost hope. I knew that you would come for me. Men and women never lose hope. This is a heavenly father who comes for you. And I don't know how you came today. I do know that we are all wrestling, struggling with sin in our lives. And we all need to turn toward him. And when we do, as in the story of the prodigal, what does the father do? How does he treat you? How does God treat you when you turn back toward him? The son, who was in that far country in such a bad place in his life, was thinking about the shame and the guilt he had before his father and just wondered, man, if I could just beg from him just to be treated like one of his slaves, one of his servants, then that would be much better than where I'm at now. That's not the story of how it happens. The son didn't come and beg his father's forgiveness and his father whip him and treat him like a slave. And that's not what happens. And that's not the image of God, the father, that Jesus helps us understand. What is the image? The image is that the father sees the son at a distance because he's been waiting for his return. And when he sees his son comes down the road, when he sees you come down the road to return to him, what does he do? He sprints toward you. The father who has given everything to you and you have squandered it all. He sprints toward you and runs and embraces and gives more to you and then throws a party, celebration, food, and even dancing. part of that celebration. Because he rejoices in your return. This is why Jesus came and died on a cross for us. That you might return. That you might turn from your sin, the destruction in your life, and return to him. And when you do, the father loves it. He rejoices in it. What are the three best words you've ever heard? I really appreciate it. I I so am undeserved when it happens, but I love hearing when my wife Sue says, I love you, right? It's very meaningful to me. But the three best words I've ever heard is, I love you from the Lord God of heaven and earth. If you question that this morning in any place in your heart and soul because of the guilt and shame that you came in here with, because of sin that you have not confessed before him or brokenness in your life or other people mistreating you or whatever it might have been, hear this. The word to you this morning from God is, I love you. I always have. I always will. I love you. I've been waiting for you to turn around And come to me. And when you do, I run and embrace you. And I throw a party. I celebrate. There's celebration in heaven right now. Because people have turned today back to the Lord. Happened in the first service. And I believe not because of any effectiveness of preaching. But I believe because the spirit of God has been tugging at some of you. And that's why you came this morning because God has been seeking you out for you to return to him calling you by name return right now and appreciate my embrace i will celebrate over you and there are three hard words it's the three hardest words that we have to deal with and we'll be dealing with in in the coming weeks and without these words there is no party is the words, I was wrong. I hate saying that. Because I've got a lot of pride in my life. I I hate acknowledging to my kids, hey, I was wrong. I hate acknowledging to my wife, I was wrong. And I I have a very uncomfortable time saying that to the Lord because of my pride. But without me acknowledging it and owning it, The son acknowledges that he's in this pig pen and he understands it, that he was wrong. And if he just turns and returns home and begs the father, perhaps life will get better. The story, of course, tells us that life is way better than that. That when I turn and own my sin, The Father runs to embrace me. See, sin is my work, and I'm responsible. Making other people responsible and not owning it, that will never lead to health in my life with God or with others when I just try to bury my sinfulness. Stop that. Can I just encourage you strongly as a friend and as a pastor, don't Stop with the excuses or the denial and just own your brokenness. Own where you are and return to the Father who waits to run to you and to bring healing to your life. There are places in your life, places in your sexuality that are broken. There are places in your greed, in your selfishness, spending your resources on your own self, There are places that you have experienced brokenness in your language, lying, gossiping, abusing others. There are places that you have acted in pride, that I have acted in pride. It's all destructive and it needs to be renewed. And it can only be renewed when God calls you and you stop and turn around. I loved how the little kids showed that little picture on Christmas Eve, how they stopped and turned around. It was really fun to watch them. Man, you can't beat kids up here. They're so cute. And uh, that's the picture. The son turns around, seeks his father, and his father embraces and loves. Soon as my work, and it takes me far from home. God takes his first step, and then these things happen. First, I have to recognize I'm in the slop and that home is good, right? That happens in verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father. And I'm gonna say to him, oh, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I own my sin and acknowledge its consequences. That's that's what he's doing. And then I receive his welcome home. Father comes running. And I wrestle with that sometimes because of my shame and my guilt. But I misunderstand God in that moment. God just wants me coming home. He just wants you to to turn, to acknowledge that broken part of your life, to seek His renewal. And He is strong enough and powerful enough because what He has already done for you on the cross and through the resurrection to destroy that broken place in your life and to bring you health and wholeness and renewal. So he comes to you. And when that happens, heaven itself rejoices. God the Father celebrates because this is his work and he's always been about this. He's always wanted this for you. This is the power of the cross and the mercy and forgiveness of the Lord. Now step back and see the picture a little bit. That renewal It happens through repentance. And this is us coming home where God has wanted us to come all along. Why live in the slop when you can live in a different place that's so much better? Or you can enjoy the Father's favor as he showers his love upon you. Why would you do that? Yeah, because we're selfish and foolish. We're self-seeking because our culture leads us a different direction. But this, this story is so powerful to say, don't. Because when you come, the father lavishes his love and forgiveness and mercy on you. This is how he treats you and wants to treat you this morning. And death must happen before there can be rebirth. I have to put to death those places. I have to allow God to work in those places of death and destruction in my life and to make them new. This is the power of the Lord's mercy in your life that when you have sinned and you seek him, he comes and embraces and makes things even better than they ever were. He renews you and restores you and makes you whole. This is the story from first to last of God's story with all of us. And it is going to be one day in heaven, if you read the book of Revelation, where he makes all things far better than they ever were. Right now, in this moment, he is desiring to do that work and to begin it right now. This day, this new year in you, it's better than any resolution that can happen to turn to him and to experience his love and grace and forgiveness. There's this wonderful story in the end of John chapter 8 where this woman, we have no idea how it happened, gets caught doing something really foolish. She was in the act of adultery and caught by people. And those people gathered her and as was the custom, they grabbed rocks and they were going to kill her. They were going to stone her to death for her sin as if none of them struggled with sin but they're all acting like this second son, right? They all had these, this thought that they were spiritually superior to this woman. And we have no idea as the story unfolds what Jesus did, but he, he gets down in the dirt and he writes. And as people see the writing of Jesus in this, around this woman, one by one, these people, they just leave. And his message to her, this woman who was broken, totally caught in their sin, right? In every way, it was, it was humiliating and full of shame. He says, he tells her that he does not condemn her. That's the story of John chapter three, right? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He did not come into the world, John three says, to condemn the world. He came so that the world might know him and might experience forgiveness and healing. And that's what the year is about for us, that we might experience wholeness and healing and that our city might experience this wholeness and healing. Our neighbors, our friends, those we love would experience this. There's no condemnation. And then Jesus says, go and stop being stupid. Sin, no more. Turn, repent is what he's telling her. Stop doing what's destructive in your life. Start walking toward me. And that's his call for you. And when that happens, we hear at the end of the story, there's celebration. Even if the second sons among us are smug and don't want that to happen and feel like we're not deserving of it. The father says at the end of the story in verse 31, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. He he just totally lost the picture of this. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this is your brother. This your brother was dead and is alive, was lost, and is found. What our heart is, is to celebrate every week this year. To celebrate as lost people experienced new life in him and experienced this As people like you and me discover there are places in our life that are full of sin and wreckage and destruction through our habits that we have that lead us away from God, through all the damaged place in our lives that are hangups, God takes every place in our life and he redeems it and restores it, makes it better than ever. And as he does that, as we turn to him and run and he runs toward us, that. All of us celebrate it. We don't act spiritually smug or superior, but we all acknowledge that's me. I'm just like that. I was running from God, and he was at work in me. That's so good when that happens. There's nothing better than that. This year, this day, I believe that the Lord God would speak into your heart, into your life to say, Listen, there there are broken places. There are places where you have been selfish and you are self-destructive, and it's sin. Turn. Stop living in the muck with pigs. Don't do that. Turn and repent. Come to me and experience my embrace and my favor and my love that is unconditional. Experience how good life is in intimacy with a Father. I don't know what you came with, but I know you came with stuff. So I'm going to ask you right now to return. Where is it? I don't know what it is, but I know there's stuff, there's junk here in the room. And you can receive the forgiveness and mercy of God and his celebration over you. So just turn to him right now. So we're going to take these moments to turn, to come home. That's why you came this morning, actually. I don't know, maybe someone brought you or dragged you here, but you came because God has been calling you to come home, and he longs to embrace you. Take some moments right now. We're going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing a song together that celebrates the the work of God on the cross. And as we do that, I just would ask you to, to just get honest with God. Don't try to cover it up or make excuses or hide from it. Just embrace the return. And know this with confidence, that God the Father, He loves it when it happens. He's been waiting for this moment for you to return. And when you do, he will give you life. He'll give you forgiveness. Just where you're at, quietly, just turn to him. If you want to get on your knees, if you want other people to pray for you and come up, that's great. Let's just turn to him. Seek him.
0: Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.